Um, and yeah, like Doug mentioned earlier, even if you want to move a chair now, it's not going to distract me. You can sit right next to me even if you want to. I definitely want people to be comfortable. And uh, again, it's important to take, to take the virus seriously. If, if you talk to people who work in healthcare, who've actually worked with people who have had COVID, it's nasty. Um, yeah, I think there's probably a lot of hype with it in the media, but it's still no less serious and significant. And um, again, I think it's good to have a healthy appreciation for it. Yeah, I don't think we should be ruled by fear, but I also don't think we should go to the opposite extreme of just being cavalier and not caring at all. Um, I, I think culturally, I think a lot of Christians can do that with COVID. And it's, it's really, it's the only thing we do that for. If you see somebody looking both ways before they cross the street, you don't go, where's your faith? Don't you trust God? Uh, if you see somebody put a seatbelt on in the car, you don't, don't you trust the sovereignty and providence of God? But we like to give people a hard time if they want to take precautions. And different people have different risks. And different families have different risks. And I think it's important to, to respect and appreciate that. Um, we're going to visit our sister-in-law this week in Alabama. She's pregnant. And so Carrie and I are being extra careful this week. And uh, again, I don't think it's a display of faith to, to just be reckless. And so again, if you'd like to move your chair, uh, you can sit in the kitchen even. Like we're, uh, you can certainly do that. I'd like to bring up uh, Josh and Ethan. This is their last Sunday with us for hopefully a few months. Because we see you guys back in like two weeks, that means school probably got canceled or something. So hopefully it won't be till around Thanksgiving, correct? That's when the semester is going to end. They're going together to Bob Jones University. So I'm going to pray for them before they leave. But, um, yeah, I just appreciate you guys. And uh, gonna be, I think we'll all be praying for you while you're away at school and um, just for the Lord's blessings and for your growth spiritually and with friends and the whole experience of, of university life. So let's join together and pray for them. Heavenly Father, I'd like to... Pray for Josh and Ethan, and I'm so thankful for these brothers in Christ, and I'd like to pray for them for their semester. Lord, I want to pray for safe travels down to South Carolina this week. I want to pray that everything goes smoothly with, with moving in down there. I want to pray for their semester academically, and most importantly, spiritually, Lord, as they continue to grow in their knowledge of you and know you, Lord, and I pray that you would bless those efforts. Pray that you would bring great friends alongside them who can challenge them and they challenge their friends as well and grow together. Lord, I pray for their family and uh, it always changes the, the dynamic when, when people leave for school and so I want to pray for the Hall family as well and for Steve and Jen. Uh, I'm sure it's bittersweet and um, Lord, just want to continue to pray for your blessings on, on them and in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you'd like to turn your Bible to Romans chapter 8, it's where we'll be today. And we'll be looking at verses 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Lord God, 
You are our God, you are our creator, and you are also our heavenly father. And let us not take it lightly that we can approach you as a father because of your son, our Lord Jesus, who took the penalty of our sins, that we are enabled to be adopted as your sons and daughters. It says in your word, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which we ha- he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Lord, we once again thank you for the opportunity to meet here today and to praise your great name and to remember your wondrous gospel. Our Father, we pray for our time and fellowship. Lord, we also pray for the city of Beirut, who endured a catastrophic explosion this past week, which has caused so much destruction in a city and nation which are already reeling. Lord, we also pray for missionaries and Christians and churches in that struggling nation, that they may be light to your gospel in this horrible event. Lord, we pray that you would bless our time and your word. May we be pointed to grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're continuing in our series, The Forensics of Faith. So far, we've discussed regeneration, which is the new spiritual life that God works in a believer. Justification, which is the right legal standing before God. Sanctification, which is the process through which God makes us holy. And all of those things are wondrous works that God does in the life of a believer. And today, we focus on our relationship to God because of the salvation he brings through the gospel. When we come to faith in Christ, we are adopted as God's sons and daughters and become members of the family of God. It isn't deserved or merited, but it is entirely because of the grace of God through the gospel and the sacrifice that Christ has made on the cross. And he did that so that we could be forgiven of our sins and also so that we could have a relationship with God. And the main idea of this passage today is that God's son died so we could be God's sons. And certainly for our ladies, you are no less adopted, no less part of God's family. You are adopted as a daughter of God. I say the word son because that's what our passage says, which is what the Greek says. And it's part of the overarching theme of sonship that we find in the Bible. And so with that, we'll jump into our passage beginning at verse 14, where it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So what that's saying is that everyone who is led by the Spirit of God is a son of God. As I alluded to a moment ago, sonship is a theme in the Bible. We talked about this actually a few weeks ago in John, uh, one of our sermons we recorded earlier in the spring. And in the Old Testament, we see Israel referred to as God's son. And then during the Davidic monarchy of Israel, the king of Israel is referred to as a son of God. 
But we don't see individuals referring to themselves as God's sons in the Old Testament. Nor do we see people referring to God as their father in the Old Testament. And so where the text says sons, as I mentioned a moment ago, that also includes women as well. But it's important to keep in mind the Old Testament background of the passage. It's important to keep in mind that the ultimate reason why this is even possible is because the Lord Jesus, who is the Son of God, has enabled us to be adopted by God. A God. The Son of God died so we could be God's sons. And this passage talks about the role of the Holy Spirit in our relationship with God. Again, we are regenerated by the Spirit. We are sanctified by the Spirit. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And here we are led by the Spirit as an indication of our adoption into God's family. And if you look at this verse in context, when it's talking about being led by the Spirit, what it's referring to is being led by the Spirit away from sin. Because we have been given God's Spirit, it is the Spirit which leads a person to holiness and away from sin. Adherence to the Spirit of God shows a person who really is in the family of God. Someone who has really truly received the spirit of adoption. Continuing in our passage, verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We haven't received a spirit of fear, a spirit of doubt, but we've received a spirit of adoption. It is only when a person has faith and the spirit that comes through faith that a person is then adopted as God's child. And because the spirit is God, the spirit is part of the Trinity, the spirit internally witnesses to God. And as the text says, it is through the spirit that we are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic word for father. It's the word that Jesus himself used when referring to God. Abba almost sounds like a word that a child would use. Like Papa or Dada. But because we have been adopted as God's children, due to the witness of the Spirit in our hearts, we are able to approach the infinite God of the universe in the same personal terms in which his own son Jesus Christ referred to him, Abba. That we are, when we are in the difficult situations in life, when we are in the dark nights of the soul, when we are in the stormy seasons, when we are dealing with brokenness and shattered relationships, that we have a personal God to whom we can address as Abba, Father. This idea and America is one that is so basic that I think it can be easy to lose appreciation for the magnitude of what that's saying. It's really so entrenched in our vocabulary and how we talk about God that I think it's important to take a step back and think about really the meaning of that, that God is our Father. Even nominal Christians know the Lord's Prayer and how it begins, Our Father who art in heaven. 
Again, that's part of how we talk about God. But in many parts of the world and in many other faiths, such a thought would be radical, if not outright blasphemous, to call God, to personally think of God as your father. But God's son died so we could be God's sons. And because of the gospel, we can approach the king of the universe as our father. Again, do we really think about how remarkable that is? That you can approach God as father. If you called your boss father, I'd think you were crazy. You don't address the president as your father. You don't address the mayor as your father. I tried to call Chad that when he gave me my Dairy Queen. He looked at me like I was crazy. It didn't really happen. But, but we are enabled to approach God in such a way. Not because we deserve it. We don't. God is holy and mighty and righteous. We're not. But nevertheless, the God of the universe invites us into a close relationship with him. And that's not something we should take lightly. In Jewish literature from ancient times, individuals did not refer to God as their father. I've already alluded to this, but in the Bible, the giants of the Old Testament did not call God their father. Abraham, who believed in the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness, who God promised his offspring would be as innumerable as the stars in the sky, through whom all the nations would be blessed, did not address God as his father. Moses, the leader of Israel who led Israel from slavery in Egypt through the wanderings in the desert, the man to whom God gave the Ten Commandments, the man who was in the very presence of the Lord whose face shined so brightly that he had to wear a veil to cover it up, did not address God as his father. David, the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, the author of 76 Psalms, some of the most loving words ever written about the Lord, did not personally address God as his father. But 39 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as his. And he talked about our relationship to God as being our father. I've already mentioned the Lord's Prayer, and it begins, Our Father in Heaven. But before the prayer, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. These great figures in the Old Testament did not refer to God as their Father. But Jesus instructs us to do just that. Because of what Christ has done for us so that we can be forgiven our sins. And he has invited us into a relationship because God has given those whom he has forgiven his spirit of adoption through which we can say, Abba, Father. But it's not just a new term that we're given to use to refer to God, but it's the spirit of God witnessing and convicting us internally and affirming in our hearts that God is our Abba, Father. And that we are his children. And that we have a good God. Some people envision this abstract creator God who's not personal or relational. But the Spirit testifies in us in these intimate terms and in referring to God. 
Abba, Father. Is that something that you've done recently or done ever? And I'm not so much talking about the words themselves, but do you rest in the grace of your loving Heavenly Father? Do you find your peace and patience in knowing that our Father in Heaven is on the throne? I talk about this often because I need to hear it myself. But so often we can be, try so hard to control the events and situations in our lives. It's a common struggle we have. But we are adopted as sons and daughters of the father of all of creation. We are heirs of grace because of what Christ has done. We get to approach God as our father, just like how Jesus could. And we're adopted. We aren't partially God's children. We are fully adopted into the family of God. And since adoption is a work of God, it's not something that we can lose. You can't get disowned from this family. You are God's child when you place your faith in Christ. In times of uncertainty and stress, is the first reaction to panic about it? Is it to worry and be fearful? Or do you think... My Father in heaven knows. When you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, do you think, Father, lead me? Or when you're dealing with somebody who's difficult, do you pray, Father, soften me? Or when you face loneliness and despair, do you say, Father, be with me? God adopts us. You cannot be God's child without having been adopted by God. But the good news is that we can have that through Christ and what he has done on the cross. Being able to approach God as your father is something that only his adopted children can do. While all people are created by God, not all people are truly his sons and daughters in the sense of being adopted. As John 1.12 says, that all who believed in him, referring to Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. And in our own passage in verse 16, it is the Spirit that testifies that we are children of God. But without the Spirit, it means that a person does not believe, is not justified, is not sanctified, is not regenerate, and is not adopted. God does this because of his own goodness and grace and for his own glory. He invites us into a relationship not because he needs us in any way or because he's lonely. He exists in fellowship with his own triune nature. And yet he invites us into a relationship with him because of his goodness and love. We see other references to adoption in the Bible from Paul in Ephesians 1.5. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Again, the forgiveness that comes through the gospel is reserved exclusively for the person who has placed faith in Christ. Again, we see similar language in Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, 
Abba, Father. The Son of God died so we could be God's sons. None of this is to say we should just then, therefore, have some sort of casual and cavalier relationship with God. In the Ten Commandments, we are told to honor our father and mother, and we should. But we must also honor our Heavenly Father. Jesus honored and revered God the Father. And keep in mind that Jesus himself is divine. We are not. But nevertheless, we see humility from Jesus before God. We see him living in fidelity to God's will. God is our Father in heaven. We can experience closeness and intimacy with God. But we must also show reverence and honor for the Lord because he is perfect and holy. Continuing in our passage, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with, it, with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Much could be said about these verses. The Holy Spirit bears witness in your heart that you are a child of God. The Spirit witnessing to God is also touching upon what is known as the doctrine of assurance, that we can have assurance of our salvation because it's not ultimately about us. It is God working in us and through us as a result of faith. It speaks to the impact of the gospel in a person's life that the Spirit bears witness that we are children of God. And again, if children, then heirs, being adopted as God's child comes with an inheritance. In the first century Roman world, their concept of adoption had many similarities to how adoption works today. Again, adoption does not mean that you just have a new roommate but it's becoming part of a new family. It's having a new name. In Rome, for people in the upper class, if they didn't have a male heir, sometimes they would adopt the child from another family. And perhaps the most famous example of this in ancient Rome was Augustus Caesar. But what's interesting is that since it was oftentimes wealthier families who practiced adoption, and it was to carry on the family name, but part of their purpose for adoption was also to have someone to give an inheritance. And that's true for us as we are adopted as God's sons and daughters. That we have privileges as a result of our adoption. You have an inheritance and a future with God. You have the spirit of God within you now. You have forgiveness from your sins. You have a relationship with God. You are God's child. We're part of God's family. But there are also responsibilities of being God's child. There are greater things that we are called to. We are supposed to be like our father. We've all heard the phrase, like father, like son. Let me ask real quick. Raise your hand if you do the same thing for men, your father, for ladies, your mother did professionally. You do the same 
or if you're retired, you used to do the same profession? A few. In the ancient world, it would have been almost everybody. If your father in the ancient world was a farmer, you were a farmer. If he was a fisherman, you were a fisherman. If he was a blacksmith, you were a blacksmith. Joseph, the earthly father who raised Jesus, was a carpenter. What did Jesus do? He was a carpenter. That's how it was in the ancient world. Almost everybody did what their parents did. And morally, we are supposed to to value and to do what our Father in heaven does. After the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Jesus said in Luke 6, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. He goes on to say again in Luke 6, To love your enemies and you will be sons of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus refers to the peacemakers as sons of God, like Father, like Son. We are called to morally value and do the things that our Father in heaven does. Like father, like son. Obviously, it's not to say we become divine or all-knowing or uh, all-powerful. But in terms of character and personal holiness, as God's adopted heirs, we are to live as witnesses to God's holiness and goodness in the world. Another part of being an heir with Christ, taken directly from our passage in Romans. It says, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That might not be what we would expect as an inheritance. Shouldn't we be insulated from suffering and difficulty? Jesus wasn't. And part of the union with Christ that involves difficulty and suffering. Certainly that cuts against the grain of what much of society thinks. Our society thinks that true blessing should always be the path of least resistance. But that view, as I've said numerous times, is not biblical. Because the Bible does not hide from the reality of our fallen world in which we live. And so we share in suffering, enduring and persevering in faith through difficulty as a prelude to future glory. And that for a person who is truly adopted and truly a child of God, even in difficulties, we still have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, witnessing Abba, Father, confirming our faith to us, and in being like Christ, we too have our crosses to bear. But knowing all of that, do you still trust in God? Or do you want to go into doubt? Do you want to get angry? Do you want to get disillusioned with God? Some of us were blessed, or are blessed, to have great dads, great earthly fathers. I was supportive, loving, encouraging, Some of us did not have great dads. Sociologists say that a person's view of their father can impact their view of God. But in spite of challenges, what do we believe about God? Do we believe that he is our good and loving heavenly father? I talked 
a few moments ago about Roman adoption. It's striking to me that sometimes a practice within Roman families, when they would adopt a child from another family, would be to give the other family money. So you have an adopting family who would pay a price to adopt a family from another child, from another family. And I look at that and I see that as a picture of the gospel because it comes at a cost. And it makes me wonder how a passage like this would have been interpreted in the first century because adoption in God's family comes at a cost. The cost of God's son dying so that we could be God's sons. Even today in America, domestic adoption can cost many, many thousands of dollars. It comes at a cost. And God adopting us as his sons and daughters came at a cost. In the book Hidden in Plain Sight, author Mark Buchanan tells the story of a woman named Regina from Rwanda. She had become a Christian and moved to Canada. She met a man named Gordon. They got married and eventually returned to her homeland of Rwanda to spread the gospel. Tragedy would strike when her husband was murdered in Rwanda. Regina prayed for clarity on who had done this. She was filled with bitterness and hatred. Her son, her only son, was gone. But one day she had a knock at the door, and it was a young man. He hesitated, and then he confessed that I am the one who killed your son. And he said that since that day, I've had no life, no peace, so here I am. I am placing my life in your hands. Kill me. I'm already dead. Throw me in jail. I'm in prison already. Torture me. I am in torment already. Do with me as you wish. Regina had prayed for this day. And now it had arrived. She didn't know what to do. To her own surprise, she did not want to kill him or throw him in jail or torture him. In that moment of reckoning, she found that she only wanted one thing, a son. God had a son too. And that son gave his life so that we, could be God's sons and daughters. Regina took that boy in that day. She made him her own. He had killed her son and deserved wrath and punishment. But what he instead found was unimaginable grace. Her son's killer found a home. We were outside the family of God. Our inheritance was not joy in heaven. It was wrath and hell. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was worldliness. It wasn't God as our father. We couldn't make him adopt us. But because of his love, God chose to adopt us. But the cost of that was his own son, who died for us so that we could be with God. That was the cost for the forgiveness of our sins and for our admittance into the family of the Lord, to the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, let us rejoice that we can be your sons and daughters through what your perfect son did. Let us rejoice in that and honor you as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.